One of the things I love about this show in the five years, we've gained a mythology. We did, we have? Yeah. You gained a mythology? I'm a myth? We're both myths. Stuff like uh, the fact that well, you want to see why you would be a myth. <laughs> the fact that like there are people who refer to who the beautiful one now. Yeah. Who yeah. talk about how you can love your characters, but you can't and love your characters. We all feel better. In the dark. We all feel better. We all feel better. In the dark. I'm gonna drop this one time for your mind right now. Tommy D on the mic, best listen up now. Better in the dark is taking place right now. But this ain't a normal show, this is point five now. Yeah, I said it, show's a little shorter. But they give you content in a timely order. So take notes of everything they mentioning. Better in the dark, point five, get the listening. Hyphen, what it is right now. Tom is what it is right now. Derek, what it is right now. Better in the dark, what it is right now. <laughs> and until we get back in touch with you. Go watch that movie. Right, Devin? Go watch that movie. <laughs> now, this is one of the reasons why, ever since Derek and I came up with the .5 system, it's so cool. Yes, because occasionally what happens is that when Tom and I are doing a regularly scheduled episode mm-hmm. of Better in the Dark, where we know we're going to cover this topic or that topic, or we're going to review this or that, but as so often happens, because as we constantly tell people, and I get email about this to this day, mm-hmm. this is not scripted. Whatever you are hearing is coming out of our mouths at the time it's coming out. Of right. course, we do call each other and we say, okay, well, what are we going to do? And in a very general way, we know what we're going to do, but part of the reason why, and I believe you will agree with me on this 100%, yeah. Tom, what makes this show what it is and why you guys support it is because of the synergy that happens when right. we're actually live going back and forth, because sometimes... Let me, let me pull back the curtain for a second. Please, my friend, go right Here is how the process for our schedule comes in. Usually, Derek and I talk once or twice a week. Even right. we're not going to do it, we call up just to talk and BS how and everything you? like that. How yeah, are you? you know, we're fine. And... We'll just start talking about any old shit that's in our head. And eventually... Which is how this myth... Yeah. <laughs> which is how you got me into this myth. And eventually, we'll start getting onto a subject. And one of us will say, let's put this on the schedule. Right. This is an episode. Then it ends up being on the, what we call the docket. Frequently, I even have to stop Tom from talking. I said, whoa, 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 man. Say that for the episode. I said, this is too good to waste on me. And that's how a lot of what you hear comes out of these conversations. Because what you're hearing, and we've said this in the past, is just me and Tom having a conversation. Same conversation you hear us having on here on the podcast with you. We have on the telephone. We were recording an episode yes. about the Malou trilogy, which you probably have already heard because point fives are banked in the case that something happens when one or both of us are incapacitated and can't do a regular show. Right. And we got into talking about this issue with Aisha Tyler, who is somebody that both Derek and I really, really like. The geek goddess, mm-hmm. I call her. She was invited to be the lead presenter at an E3 panel for a gaming company. And she was lambasted yeah. by people who told her, in no uncertain terms, get your freaking pink, frilly, frou-frou petticoats out of our game. I'm going to even pull back the curtain even more. When Tom and I was discussing this in private prior to doing this, point five, Tom said, well, do you think it's not just because... And this was Tom's opinion. Not and I, said it right out, I said it right out in the episode. I he said, said right in the episode. It came from him, not from me. Well, do you think it's not only because she's a woman, but she's a black woman? For those of you who have never seen a picture of Aisha Tyler, which of course you would see plenty of, 
she is a comedian. I think we both discovered her at the same time. This is when I discovered her. When yeah. she was the host of the entertainment channel, which is known as E! Yeah. Talk Soup. Talk Soup. She took over for John Henson, if I remember correctly. Right, she took over for John Henson. That was when her career launched, and she subsequently went on to star in movies and shows. She's one She's of the co-creators on... of Archer, a very successful right. show on, on the FX channel. She was on a season of 24 where she played one a of, bad guy. <laughs> she was one of Ross's girlfriends in yeah. one of the later seasons of Yeah, and for, as a matter of fact, she still remains the only black person that's ever been seen <laughs> on Friends. Yeah, person. because it was such a backlash yeah. from oh there's no black people there's no Hispanic people there's no minority matter of fact every minority was complaining there was no Asians no white so they brought her on I think it was like you said the last season yeah. and she remains the only black which is something she'll make fun of herself yeah. but she's a very successful comedian very successful actress who just happens to be one incredibly smoking hot and two incredibly knowledgeable about geek culture Aisha Tyler is the girlfriend I wished I had when I was 16 years old. Oh, God. Because she knows video games. She knows comic books. She she knows movies. And she is so smoking hot. It's not smoke. It's nuclear hot. She has her own podcast called Girl on Guy, where she talks with different comedians and sports figures and gaming designers and comic book writers about their craft. And she tells the story. I think she was telling the story when she had Zach Levi on. Mm -hmm. about how when she was growing up in Detroit, she would hang out in the arcades and just lay the hell out of Centipede or whatever. And I remember when I heard that, I said to you, I was talking to you the next day, and I said, I wish I would have walked into Playland, which was the major arcade here in New York. Yeah, yeah, Playland. The one on 47th Street between Broadway and 7th Avenue. You could walk the floor through. Every Yeah, you could walk completely through there. We had these things back in the day. History lesson, folks. Before we played video games at home, we had these things called video arcades. And if you wanted to play video games, that's where you went. You went with your friends at a pocket full of quarters. And Playland was the Mm -hmm. biggest one in Manhattan. You go there, you could play anything. Space Invaders, Dork, Dragon Age. It wasn't the most current arcade. That usually was the Chinatown Fair. Yeah. That little hole in the wall. The hole in the wall. Right. It was literally a hole in the wall on, I think it was Mott Street. But it had the cutting edge game. Yeah. Because you would have, frequently, they would beta test games from Japan. Right. They would get all the new games first. Yeah. Yeah. And see, if you was in the video games back then, in the era that me and Tom was talking about, you knew about these things. So when Aisha Tom was talking about that, I said, yeah, this chick knows what she's talking about. You just have to listen to a random episode of Girl on Guy to realize she knows her stuff. And this is a different kind of pop culture we're living in these days. And this is something we talked about in the previous episode where we actually have these actors and major celebrities who are knowledgeable about these things. They know about this stuff. Then just not fronting. Like yeah. Samuel Jackson goes by comic books right. every week. And you have people like Kevin Smith who makes major you know, motion pictures and has his own comic book store. Our fantasy, my fantasy at least, is if I ever hit the lotto, first thing I'm doing, I'm opening up a movie theater and me and Tommy are running. I'm going to have a bar and I'm going to have a restaurant and a comic book store all in the same thing. But these are people that have grown up in the culture and have embraced it and share it with other people. They're not and they're ashamed. not ashamed of it. They're not That's, ashamed yeah. of it. There's another thing y'all guys have to understand. When me and Tom was coming, and see, this is what makes me so pissed off with a lot of you. Things weren't always the way it is now. Avengers wasn't always the highest grossing movie of all you time. Like that crap? We grew up in a culture where if you like comic books, 
you were a leper. Why are you reading that stuff? You're a grown man. You're right. not supposed to be. You got to remember something. Comics up until, I would say, around the mid-80s. It was the early 90s. First off, you had these comic artists who were superstars. People who walked around like Rob Leefield and Todd McFarlane. Who became rock gods. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And then you had several big events that really stuck. Right. Like Death of Superman. And that Nightfall. Be, and they got major press from time and news. Exactly. Movies. Unlike now when we get an Avengers movie coming out and nobody goes into the comic shops to buy Avengers comics. Mm. You would actually have people read about the death of Superman and actually going into the comic shop with curiosity. Right. Of course, the comic industry then proceeded to kill that interest with their speculator boom of the mid-90s, but that's another right. story for another time. Yeah, that's another one for another time. We're on something else but, Yeah, but, something a little bit bigger. Yeah. Which and, is that, and this ties in with another story that you and I were talking about, the Hunger Games. Yeah. All these morons, I'm going to put it where it is, morons, who complained about these two characters being black in the movie and not being true to the characters in the book when, if you actually read the books, you knew these you knew two characters, these characters were, black. were black. And I'm wondering, and this is, when you and I were growing up, comic fandom used to pride itself on being very, very liberal. Yes. And very open-minded. Yes. And we embrace everybody who's mm -hmm. in this. You're part of the family. This is what I believe is part of the reason why I'm not in that comic book fandom anymore. Is because of what I perceive to be a very pervasive. And to me, this is the most frightening thing. Almost a pride in being misogynistic and racist. Yeah. You know that is why I went cold turkey last year. Yeah. It was DC. It was Dan DiDio that eventually drove me out of, the, out of the hobby that I loved for so many years. And you know what I really have a problem with? I have a really big problem with people who, when I talk about how racist comics are now, mm -hmm. they say, well, look at Batwing. I said, if it wasn't for the fact it had a tie to Batman, yeah. that shit would not sell. Well, okay, look at the first seven cancellations. Please. They were... Omac, mm -hmm. the only Korean-American character mm -hmm. that had his own book. Mr. Terrific, one of two black characters mm -hmm. who had his own two. book. Two! Two! Static Shock, the other black character who had his own book. And the war books, which we, I think we have all kind of expected. Mm -hmm. The thing is, they were always boasting about we are more racially and culturally diverse in our DC New Universe. And yet, the women seem to be treated almost uniformly like sex objects. The famous Catwoman, fucking Batman on the kitchen floor issue. The famous scene, and you know how much I love the Teen Titans. Yes, I do. The, Star, uh, the whole Starfire Star thing. Yeah. Who will have sex to It's anyone. a sex toy. I yeah. mean, let's put it on the table. If we're going to talk about it, let's talk about it. She's a sex toy. Mm -hmm. And she's there. And this is what disturbs me. You have comic book creators that are manifesting whatever issues they have with women or race, and they're putting it in their stories. A lot of these stories I see coming out, these guys got issues with women. Yeah. What bothered me? Another thing, going back to Marvel, when they said, we're going to have Mephisto undo Peter Parker's marriage. He's going to make a deal with the devil yeah. because readers don't want to read about a married Peter Parker. Yes, they do. Readers love a married Peter Parker. They didn't have a problem with it. You had a problem with it. For whatever reason yeah. you have with women or with marriage, you had a problem with that. You, you manufactured the situation where it's Peter Parker makes a deal with the devil. And there's one character, one of the most moral yeah. characters. Ne with fact, great power comes great responsibility. I wouldn't even put him next to Captain America mm -hmm. in terms of morality. Yeah. Peter Parker would never do that. I don't care if he lost his Aunt May, his own life. 
He would never do that. He but goes just, from being, prior to that, a character who was moving on with his life and living his own life to a mewling mama's boy. Yeah. But see, that is what a lot of comic book readers, and apparently the editors, y'all gonna hate me for this, but editors at Marvel and DC, y'all guys should be fired. Because you don't edit. Because you let the writers do whatever the fuck they want to do. And you don't tell them, no, you can't do this, you can't do that, this is what you have to do. And I understand, y'all guys gotta sell comic books. You do. So you get a big name that's slumming because it can't get a, a movie deal or a TV thing and you know, or, or a book deal and you have them write your comic books and you say, well, you just go ahead and do whatever you want. So you know it's a lousy story. But see, comic book readers who will not go back and research the history of, of the genre of the genre that they claim to love so much. They don't know any better. Right. And that's a lot of you listening to this, quite frankly. But getting back to Aisha Tyler and the Hunger Games and this, I think that for a, an audience base that claims to be so liberal, I do think there is, not everybody, we're not no, trying to no, paint everybody no. with the same brush here. No, not everybody. I think that there's always been a level of misogyny and racial prejudice amongst them. And you know what? Which I think changed. What? The fact that social media has made it so easy to pop off without thinking. Because where did all this bullcrap come from with the Hunger Games? From Twitter. Right. We're giving nuclear bombs to cats. People, if you notice, and anybody that's been on my Facebook page, mm-hmm. matter of fact, if you've been to any one of my sites I'm affiliated with, what do you see on there? My real name. Yeah. Derek Ferguson. I don't hide behind any kind of cute nickname or right. student or whatever, because what I say is what I am. Same with me. I put it on there because... Whatever I say, I stand behind 100%. And if you have an issue with it, I want you to know where to find me. Yes, I do. I want you to come yeah. and say, listen, I didn't like what you said, Dirk Ferguson. Not I didn't me. like what you said, Batfan1395. Yeah, or BZ Weezy 319. Yeah. No. And see, that is why when people send me mm. emails anonymously yeah. or comment on any of my blogs anonymously, I delete it. And they say, well, it's my right to be anonymous. Yes, it is. It is my right to delete you because right. if I can give you the courtesy and let you yeah. know who you're dealing with I demand the same courtesy in return you let me right. know who I'm dealing with but I think that what's going on back in the old days that you and I remember where yes. you didn't have the internet and can go to an E3 site and put in an anonymous email saying what are you doing put in this black woman up she you women- saw you said that. <laughs> you notice that these are always the people that think they're really smart but aren't. Oh, you're an asshole for doing this. She's yeah. inappropriate. These are people, first of all, who haven't done their research. Of course not. Anybody who's been able to Google Aisha Tyler for more than five minutes would know mm-hmm. exactly where she's coming from. Now, let's say, for instance, folks, if this was Beyonce who had done that, yeah. we'd be agreeing with you. But see, somebody like Aisha Tyler, who has her street cred, yeah. she's been in this from day one. She didn't deserve the backlash that she had gotten. It's ridiculous. And neither did the people who made The Hunger Games. Not a movie for me, not a movie for you. No. But it's <laughs> obvious to me that these people read this book because they cast true to type. Even the writer of the book, she said herself on Twitter, 
Obviously, these people haven't read my book because yeah. if they did, they would have said this is not a white character right. or even this is a biracial character, yeah. which is what she was thinking. The hungry, it's right, the hunger, in the future. Right. She said everybody's going to be biracial, which made sense to me. But no, apparently people, this is a story I tell people all the time yeah. to illustrate how much racism goes on. It was a guy who had read my fan fiction right. for years, and he had sent me emails. Oh, I love this. I love that. Oh, you're a wonderful writer. You do this so good. And then my first book comes out, Dylan, The Voice of Odin, right. where I have a picture of myself on the back. I get an email from this gentleman saying that I knew he was a guy because he told me many times he was yeah. a he. And he said, I don't appreciate you tricking me all mm-hmm. of these years. And I emailed him back, and I said, well, what are you talking about? He said, you should need to stop trying to write like a white man and write about stuff that is important to your people. So wait a minute. If you read the book, then you know Dylan's a black guy. So what you're telling me is, see this is how pervasive yeah. the racism is? So you're telling me it's okay for a white writer to write black, about black. a black action hero, but I'm a black man, I can't write about a black action hero. But when I was writing about white action heroes, yeah. you had no problem with it. I'll be honest with you, and I've never told anybody this. I've never even told Patricia this. I couldn't write for about a month after that. That's how badly that fucked me up, mm-hmm. that attitude. And I had to process that shit alone by myself and get to the point where I say I can't let that stop from what I want to do but this is the type of racism that's out there and as you say and that's the best thing you said in this episode that you have people who are into comic books and movies and all this oh god geek culture present themselves as being so liberal and so open minded and they have proven themselves in the last couple of years to be the most closed-minded people. Yeah. I classify them with Republicans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the same people who, well, not the same exact people, but right there with the people who continue after all these years to contend that Obama isn't a citizen of the United States. You're right. I actually had somebody tell me, you know, Obama wasn't born here. He was born in Hawaii. I said, yeah, well, that's not part of the continent of the United States, but it is the United States. Yeah, it's, it's it is still the, the United States. Yeah, it's... Part of the country. Don't need a passport to go there. Nah, me and you get on a plane yeah. right now. Go to Hawaii with what we got on right now. Exactly. All we need is our passport. Exactly. That's, I got mine. You got yours. I don't have a passport. Well, you, but I, it's Hawaii. You don't need But it's Hawaii, yeah. But see, this is the thing. Prejudice is born out of ignorance. Bottom line. And the internet has made it so easy for the ignorant to have a voice. Right. And I'm sorry. Yeah, y'all go on about, yeah, well, it's the right of everybody in this country yeah. to have what they say. Some of y'all don't need to be heard yeah, from. Yeah, and you know what horrifies you me? You don't. You know what absolutely, totally horrifies me? What? And this is something I know as a white man, a lot of people will tell me I should go F off. These minority figures who propagate mm. ignorance as being part of their culture. Oh, yeah. Yesterday, I was telling you about the podcast, How Did This Get Made, did a podcast where they sat down for a half an hour with Danny Trejo. I don't think anyone here or anyone listening will dispute the fact that Danny Trejo is a bad motherfucker. And come by legitimately. Yes. Guys served time. Those tats he got yes. aren't just for show. Exactly. He got them in the joint. It's about a half an hour long interview. The man doesn't deny his toughness, but he's compassionate towards other people. Mm-hmm. He was talking about after one time, he spent five years in prison. He got out. He said, I'm not doing this anymore. I want to spend the rest of my life helping people, not hurting them. Right. And he talks about all this... And only because the, the interviewers were prompting him about this, talking about his service with drug rehabs around Los Angeles. And he's 
well-spoken about it. I actually sought out his site so I can just write him a letter saying, I just want to appreciate the fact that I so admire the fact that you present this image that shows people that you can be a tough guy mm -hmm. and still care for other people, still be well-spoken and not be selfish and not be... Oh, sure. Be positive yeah. and throw up positive energies in this yeah, world. Yeah, sure. Because so many times, I don't read that white man shit. Oh, yeah. And I love the fact that if I disagree with anything, they throw the white man car. Oh, well, you're white. And you're ignorant, so... But see, you're more knowledgeable than a lot of black culture, than black people I know. Uh, oh. Seriously, there's some black people I know, and they don't know how as much about black culture as you do. And I look at them, and I say, why don't you know this? And you know what this? Well, I got, I uh, mean, who got time That's for that? That's corny stuff well, from the 80s. Wait a minute. This is I get. Well, man, who got time for that old shit? This whole obsession this world has with, with, with new being valid and nothing else. Drives me up the wall. I keep trying to explain to my co-workers who go, oh, well, that's corny. That's from 19... Yes, but how do you think these artists that you like became inspired? I like to refer to it as a river. If you look at a certain artist, you will see a whole river that flows into them. That you know, goes way back 20, 30, 40 years. But let me tell you something. I actually kind of like it, to be yeah. honest, because that means I can get away with stuff writing my fiction, mm -hmm. and because some people that's reading it don't know or don't care about... Yeah. I can get away with references and they think it's brand new. No, I stole that from something yeah. I saw in a black exploitation movie 25 years ago. But this is what we get for living in a post-literate society. But I had somebody that, again, somebody yeah. sent me an email that had read my reviews on the Ferguson Theater, yeah. shameless plug, and it said, you'd be a lot more successful if you stop reviewing that old shit nobody cares about. And then he went on to say, well, black and white movies aren't real because the world is As in color. As opposed to all those color real films. Yeah, because the world is in color. Mm-hmm. So really? Shameful. It's shameful. Oh, okay. Well, thank you for enlightening me, But son. also, let's be honest. The pop culture encourages this behavior. That's true. The pop culture, that TV station that only shows movies from 1990 on, on Saturday afternoons. AMC, which only shows popular movies except their slowest time. They're encouraging that belief that nothing worthwhile existed 10 years ago or 20 Which years is ago. why I always talk up Turner Classic Movies on the Facebook page, mm -hmm. and I tell people, if you have cable, satellite package, if you don't have Turner Classic Movies, demand that you get it. And start watching these old movies because, of course, they bought up the whole library. Yeah. So they're about the only ones you can go see these movies from the 30s, 40s. Right. But it's also Netflix, too. Mm -hmm. So if you have Netflix, folks, you can go on there and you can see movies from the 30s and 40s and 50s. And to be fair, give people credit, sometimes the most reaction I get when I post something on Damn Your Eyes, Damn Your Eyes isn't from the more recent films. But it's from when I do something like the Maltese Falcon or the, the Cat People stuff. And then I get these emails from people going, thank you, I love that yeah, movie. Yeah. Getting back to Aisha Tyler. There's a reason why these movies <laughs> yeah. are still around and are rightly called classics, mm -hmm. folks. Just because they're black and white, which to me is the most asinine, ignorant thing I've ever heard anybody say when I recommend a movie to them. The first thing they come out of it, well, is it in color or is it in black and white? Well, what's the difference? Well, I don't watch movies in black and white. Why well, not? You know what? These are always the same people who complain, oh, 
Prometheus sucked. This sucked. This Did is, you see Prometheus? I have not seen Prometheus yet. Ah. But this is why we have the movie culture right now where everything is about when you can get the biggest explosion and the biggest CGI monster on screen the fastest. So when you come back to me and you say, I hated Battleship, or I hated Prometheus, or I hated this, or I hated that, you brought it on yourself. Since you haven't seen it, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but... There is one explosion in Prometheus that I, to this day, yeah. maintain. Didn't have to be in there, but I felt that it was in there because they say we don't went through this far in the movie yeah. and we haven't had an explosion. We got to have one because it's, to me, it was a totally unnecessary explosion. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's just like that old saying people get the government that they deserve. Yes. Well, people get the pop culture they deserve. You get the pop culture, you get the entertainment mm-hmm. that you deserve. If you demand nothing better, then this is what you get the lowest common denominator. Yeah. Before you people in the future, not 99.99% of our listening audience is not who I'm directing this at. No, but those of you know who we're talking about. Yeah. If you want to go and yell at somebody for being an inappropriate host for your presentation of something that you love, do your effing research first. This was so uncalled for. And I think a lot of it was because, I will say this again, I think it was because Aisha Tyler wasn't just a hot woman, she was a hot black woman. And I agree with you 100%. And the attitude that I guarantee you, if it was Grace Park up there, everybody. Oh, nobody yeah. said nothing. Everybody, yeah. Because it's okay for Asians. Because she's a hot Asian Hot chick. Asian chicks. And yeah. That's okay. That's acceptable across race lusting. Now, let me tell you something. If I can step into the real yeah, world sure. for a minute, I was watching a show on. It was on either the Discovery Channel or the History Channel. Mm-hmm. Now, follow me here for a minute. Okay. The show was talking about how in Japan and China, the male children are still expected to leave home and go work to support their parents. Right. Not the females. So what do the females do? They go to college, but the males can't because they got to work to support their mother and father. Which means you have a surplus of college-educated Asian women who don't have college-educated males that they can pick up or they have a very limited... Because, of course, the college-educated males, they leave the country too and they go wherever. So what do they do? They leave. They come to other countries like America. Now, when they come to America, we have a thing where you have, don't get offended, white males... Obsessed with Asian women. Why so, would I be offended by that? I've been very. Well, you are a white male. <laughs> and, and I've been very free about the fact that I think most Asian women are very attractive. Well, see? But then again, I think most white women most are very white attractive. Most white women are attractive, too. Most black women are very attractive. I happen to find women attractive. Well, like me. When it comes to women, I'm not a racist. No. I'm like, oh, women, if, if you're a woman, I'm down with it. My big problem is that women don't like me. That's my problem. You know, I'm, I'm, listen, if you're a woman and you got the right parts, I'm down yeah. with it. But what has happened? Now, here where the domino effect coming in. This is why I want to... Asian women said themselves on this program that white men had an obsession with Asian women. So they had no problem with that. Of course, this meant that now white women, mm-hmm. now they find themselves competing for white men. So what happened? They start going after black men. <laughs> it's a domino effect. But, but that's the thing. Has these boundaries... Yes. And these boundaries have been falling since the 70s. And see, women, when it comes to men, they yeah. aren't racist either. It's men that are racist. Yeah. Women are racist when it comes to men. I've met black women who I've asked out and like, I don't like white men. Mm-hmm. Not that, but they're, they're very few and far between. Let me tell you what women are into. Okay. 
class, and monetary value. Women are looking for providers. Well, I don't have one. That's probably my main reason. Really? I may well, have class. Listen, well, yeah, when you meet a woman, and now I've just lost 90% yeah. of our female audience. Every time I meet a woman I've never met before, yeah. after my name, you know what's the next two questions she'll ask me? What do you do? What do you do, and where's your wife? What is she trying to find out? She's trying to find out. Are you financially secure? Yes. And are you Oh, uh, uh, Thank you. That's all I want. Once she knows those two things, then she knows where to put you. Yeah. There's another thing I'm going to get on. There's another episode. I'm so tired of y'all with this bullshit about, well, I don't like putting labels on people. Yes, you do. We all do it. Because the first time after you meet a stranger, what's the first question you ask? What do you do? Based upon the answer to that question, that's where you place them in your social, right. your personal social strata. And don't say you don't do it because you do. Right. We all do it. I'm so sick and tired of hearing people. But I don't like putting labels on things. We put labels on everything. When you go into a supermarket, what is on the food? Labels. Right. So but you know what you're buying. It comes down to the fact that there's usually two. The old Billy Joel song. One of my favorite Billy Joel songs. You're familiar with the title song to I like this to be his greatest album, The Stranger. Well, we all have a face that we hide away forever. And we take it out and show ourselves when everyone is gone. Mm -hmm. When we say, well, I don't like to label people. That's the public face. Yeah. What really we're thinking. Thinking, that's the stranger. Mm -hmm. That's what that is about. Even when you call somebody a friend, yeah. that is a label you're putting on them. You are identifying them mm -hmm. to other people. So I have a social connection with this person. Like, how do I introduce you? This is my friend and partner, right. Tom. Therefore, people know that we have a relationship both personal and professional. Right. That's a label, people. Or the way introduce Jessica when we meet somebody new and we're both hanging out together. Mm. I'll refer to her as so that they know that there is a familial rep. Thank you. Primarily because she's small and she's very curvy and guys her age tend to think with the wrong head. Mm -hmm. And I want to make big burly uncle wants to make it sure. Don't, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. don't, don't, don't mess with her. Oh, no doubt. Or no I'm going to go full retard on your ass. No doubt. So, once again, this is kind of spun off into an odd. No, but it's gotten into a lot of things because this is a situation that it's a lot of things that come into it. Because I think that one of the most polarizing things that is going on in our society today is race. Mm -hmm. And it's an issue. And I'm sorry, folks. Y'all thought that when Obama was going to come in, we was all going to hold hands and yeah. say we are the world. In a certain segment of society, it made it worse. Yes, it did. Because it gave all these whack doodles from the far, far right permission to go, forgive the expression, buck wild. Yeah. And there's a lot of you, and, yeah, and there's some of you who's probably listening to this that think that you're very progressive in your thinking, and no, I'm not like that. I'm not like Yes, you are. I know you are because I've read some of your posts on Facebook. <laughs> so I know how you think. I don't call you on it because that's our public forum. Yeah. But yeah, some of you do think like that. Some of you do have those thoughts. And that's okay. Because yeah. you're a person just like me and Tom are exactly. people. And we all have our individual prejudices. And people like to, again, they like this fancy, well, I'm not prejudiced. Of course you are. We all are because we're people. I will freely admit, yes, there's certain things I'm prejudiced against. There are certain people I'm prejudiced against. Now, now to wrap this up, let me throw out a hypothetical. Yes, sir. Do you think that if all those guys who posted all those negative comments about Aisha Tyler, let's say that the way that the website had been set up, they would have five minutes before the comment went live. They had time to think about their comment. Do you think they would have taken it back? No. Because the culture that we in now embraces that sort of knee-jerk reaction. Unless, of course, 
it's somebody else. See, oh, well, you're not supposed to judge. See, that's the first thing out of people's mind. Well, you shouldn't judge this and you shouldn't judge that. Oh, but it's okay for you to do it. Well, let me, and then here's the I'm thing. I'm just keeping it real. Right. Or let me explain I why. I can't believe I just did that. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Every time I hear that phrase, it makes my blood run cold. What? I'm keeping it real. Oh, yeah, well, I... know what you're doing is you're using the excuse of being real as a justification for you to, to allow... To be ignorant. Yes, and allowing all your ugliest intentions to come out. And there's nothing real about being ignorant. Ignorance is, is the lack of reality. There is no pride in being ignorant. Yeah. And that is the one thing that scares me. And, and unfortunately, are, we've got a society coming right this second. It's marching on us now because these people are in high school. We are marching towards a society where the ignorant far outweigh the knowledgeable. There's a lot of things that scare me in this country, but one of the major things that scares me, I would say it's number two in the top three, is the pride people take in being ignorant. I take no pride in being ignorant. I take pride in being a genius. <laughs> I'm sorry. If y'all gonna hate me for that, then y'all hate me. I take pride in being smart. I like being smart. Well, I like knowing things. I'm sure you've been called an Uncle Tom in your time. Oh, sure. Plenty of times. I get called Uncle Tom I, now. I, that, that so pisses me off. It's, oh, so you're being told, oh, you're being uppity. You're being untrue to your culture by being smart. And I have been talked to my face. Yeah. People have asked me, why are you writing that white man shit? I said, well, what are you talking about? That stuff you write, man, that ain't real. Excuse me, did you buy it? Nah, man, but I know what you write. And this is an actual conversation I've had with a person face-to-face. -face. Yeah. But they said, well, man, you got to write something about us. Oh, so you mean I should write something about drug dealers shooting up each other yeah. and turning out holes? And yeah, man, that stuff is what's happening. That's what people want to read. Well, fine. If you want to read it, I got no problem with that. I do not have an issue with that. But that's not me. That's not what this I write. This is a society that thinks that Scarface is a role model to aspire. It's a documentary. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but listen, I've got called that plenty of times. People have told yeah. me. I had a woman, actually. Patricia had taken, again, my first novel, mm -hmm. Dylan and the Voice of Odin, to her job and sold them to a bunch of people. And one of her coworkers said she wanted to meet me. And she completely blindsided Patricia because Patricia didn't know what. She just thought she was going to congratulate yeah. on me. So when I went and met the woman, she said, well, I want my money back. Well, why? What's the problem? Well, I like your book up until the part where you had Dylan sleeping this white woman. I don't support that. I want my money back. Patricia was getting ready to take her head off. I said, no, no. She's not what? a person you want to anger. I reached in my pocket and I gave the woman her money back. Mm -hmm. I don't want somebody who thinks like that reading my stuff anyway. Yeah. If that's the basis that you're going to base my whole book on, fine. I don't want you reading it. Yeah. I don't want your money. I want to point out that in the novel I've got coming out, one of my characters is a biracial man who is married to a white woman. Yeah. The whole point, it's 1940, so he's hiding his identity. And one of the good things about your book is yeah. that if you actually you read it, mm -hmm. you know it. But it's not like you shove it in yeah. our faces. But if you actually read it, and you read what the characters are saying, and the relation, and what's going on there, then you know what's going on. Anybody who would say that to me would probably get punched in the face. We should be writing about characters, not about black characters or white. Their ethnicity should not be defining them. Right. Well, it goes into sexism. I've got emails from people that, that told me that said, I really love your Dylan stories. How come you don't have any gay characters in there? And I said, well, what made you think there's not one in there? Well, you never say it. Well, why do I have to say it? Yeah. If the sexuality is not important to the story, I'm not going to make an issue of it. Exactly. 
So don't make you happy. Pick any character you want. And say, as a matter of fact, there is a gay character in there, mm-hmm. and I know who's gay. I just haven't said it yet. You All know right. why? Because it's not important to the story I was telling. The character's sexuality was not important. Well, I'm going to stop the story dead for right. him to raise his hand and say, oh, I'm gay. No. You had this big, look at us, how progressive we are, bang, where you had Marvel doing the marriage of North Star on one end, and then you had DC saying, we're going to out a major character, and it turned out to be Alan Scott of Earth 2, which is, of course, the Earth that they can conveniently forget if this stunt goes over bad. Which is probably not going to be around in six months due to bad sales. Yeah. Oh, that's the great dirty secret to the DC 52. The sales have plummeted in the last six. Yeah. This is why I don't understand why people get so worked up about it. The damn book isn't going to be around in six months. Yeah. Sales. Yeah, I know some of you out there, huh, why are you always talking about DC? Why? You know what? I have nothing against comic books. I've been reading comic books since I was yeah. 12 years old, most of my life. What I object to is bad comic books. Yeah. And what is being produced now by DC and Marvel is bad. I'm not saying don't stop reading comic books. There's plenty of yeah. worthwhile independent comic books out there. Go give your money to them. Yeah. Go give your money to people who really deserve it. Who is putting out entertainment that's worth the time reading. More importantly, putting out stories they want to put out. Yeah. So, since this is a point five, we're supposed to keep it down a little bit, and we're, yeah. this is a little bit big, but that's okay. To sum up, guys, first off, don't be ignorant. Right. Two, think before you say something, and more importantly, do your research before you present a position on something. Please do us all a favor. And don't pretend that you don't have negative human emotions when you do. Yes. That's basically what we have to say. This is probably not going to be a very popular episode, is it? It's not, but hey. We need to say it. As Millie Jackson said, I had to say it. Yes. And (laughs) also, we still pledge our allegiance to Aisha Tyler. The geek goddess. We're behind you. Who, by the way, married to a white man. We are behind you. 100% 100% Miss Tyler and we worship You're welcome to come on the show at any time We worship and we revere you yes. For the geek goddess that you are Exactly We won't even say anything unless spoken to Trust me, you're welcome to come on the show And that's it for this week Normal service as always will be resumed in two weeks time Okay, God bless This has been your Better in the Dark Point Five, featuring Thomas D. Jan Derek Ferguson. Normal service will return in two weeks. If you'd like to comment on this or any other episode of the program, please send an email to Better in the Dark at Earth Two Net. That's Better in the Dark at Earth Two Net. If you feel this stopgap is not sufficient, please visit the Better in the Dark Central site at www.betterinthedarksite.com, and don't forget to check out all the amazing music available at www.b-hyphen.com. Better in the Dark. Point five is a conspiracy productions presentation in association with the Earth2.net community of podcasts. All material copyright Thomas E. J. and Derek Ferguson. Transmission ends in three, two, one. Satin 